Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I am your host, John Harris, as always, here to talk about the Enneagram once again. We've talked about it before. I gave a little bit of an introduction to the Enneagram and the threat that I think it poses to Christians. And yet, it seems to be so popular in evangelical circles specifically. If you Google Enneagram or if you go on YouTube and type in Enneagram, up to half of the uh, on, the, on the first page I'm talking about, resources you're going to get are from some kind of a pseudo-religious, uh, and in particular, Christian perspective. And and this startled me and, of course, set me on a path to discover more about this. And uh, because I haven't done as much research, and there's people who are more knowledgeable than I am on this, I decided to get the help of Pam Frost. Pam is a board member at Truth Exchange, which is a great apologetics ministry. You can go check it out at truthxchange.com, truthexchange.com. And uh, Pam has been studying this for about 20 years, uh, not just the Enneagram, but also the mystical movements within Christianity, specifically those threatening evangelical churches. So uh, with that, um, Pam Frost, thank you so much for coming on and just being willing to answer some questions about the Enneagram. Well, thank you for having me, John. I really appreciate it. So let's start with a, a basic question, and this will give you the opportunity, I suppose, if you want to tell a story, you can tell a story about your first uh, experience or, or the first time you heard about the Enneagram. But what made you interested in studying this? Well, it was the um, invasion of the emergent movement within evangelicalism, which um, came into the church I was in. And um, gosh, I was trying to think it was... It, 2003, probably 2004. And I ended up starting to research these things. I started reading um, books by the emergent authors and I found the Enneagram in there. And then I got connected with Truth Exchange and um, I ended up going as a researcher to the National um, Pastors Convention in San Diego, which is where I live. And um, specifically to do research. I am not a supporter of women uh, pastors. I just want to clarify that. I went because that conference was um, really taken over by contemplative spirituality, which is mysticism, and um, and the emergent movement. And I went to listen um, to Bri people like Brian McLaren, um, uh, Tony Jones, Doug Padgett, um, I think they were there. And there was a five-hour course, uh, critical concerns course on the Enneagram 
offered by uh, a woman named Alice Freiling, who was who is the wife of then um, InterVarsity Press publisher Bob Freiling, and she did a five-hour course on the Enneagram, and um, she has since written a book called Mirror of the Soul, and I was amazed. I mean, this this is a deep dive within the center of yourself. It kind of amounts to, I believe, an idolatry of the self, because once you plunge into the center of you, there's like no exit. It becomes like um, an abyss. And she was teaching this to pastors. And um, <clears throat> and we're, we're having a rainstorm. So I apologize. And we have a skylight right in the other room. So I apologize. If oh, no here. worries. No, no worries at all. <laughs> it's, it's, I, and, and I can hear you fine. So, yeah, you're, okay. you're good. Okay, good. Because it just, it just started another downpour. It's been on and off all morning. But anyways, Alice Freiling, what she was doing, she was combining the contemplative it mysticism of Father Thomas Keating, who had developed um, what he called centering prayer, which is a technique that you focus on what he called a holy word, like um, Jesus or holy, or you, know, you use it, it's really like transcendental meditation. You use it to empty your mind. And then he said, you, the technique, you focus it's like he said, you're looking at a river with boats going by. You focus on, um, on, on the river rather than the boats. You don't let your mind get distracted by what's going down the river. You just meditate on the river until you go into an altered state of consciousness in which you think you, you gain, well, really enlightenment. It's really like transcendental meditation. So she was combining that with um, the Enneagram and teaching senior pastors and all kinds of pastoral leaders to empty their minds and plunge within the interior of their, their self. So that was my introduction uh, really to the Enneagram. It came out of the emergent movement. It's interesting to me the uh, trajectory that this started well, I guess there's debate as to when the Enneagram started, but the personality types became popular in the New Age movement, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, that sort of spirituality movement in the, the 70s and 80s is my understanding. And then it took another 20 years for it to get into Roman Catholic and then emergent circles. And then it's, it's another 20 years now. So you have like 20, 40, 60. It's like a 60 year story here that now it's in. Uh, more conservative, supposedly evangelical circles. Uh, and if, if you were to go back, and I think you said, what was the conference, 2010? When, when was that? No, that I think it was, it was either 2006 or 2007. I went, I went for two years. And you probably would never have thought at that time that this would be, maybe you did, it would make its way into the heart of conservative supposed yeah. churches at that time. Because, I mean, you're talking about Doug Padgett and Brian McLaren, these guys are way out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're hardcore New Agers where they have all ended up is pretty much in mainline um, denominations that are, are critical of, of the true biblical gospel. They, they went, you know, into progressivism, which is 
you know, antithetical right. to the biblical gospel. But what I what I would like to say um, is that you had mentioned in your first podcast on the Enneagram, uh, Claudio Naranjo, who mm -hmm. you you showed the video clip of him saying that he got the Enneagram through automatic writing. And um, he is the popularizer of the Enneagram. And as you pointed out, he um, had taught it in the context of an occult mystery school. And he had never intended it for, go, for it to go public. And as you mentioned, it went public through um, the Jesuit priest, Robert Oakes, um, who then started teaching it to everybody and people like Don Richard Risso, who was a Jesuit novitiate at the time, he wrote the first book on it, making it public. I believe that was in 1990. No, that was in the 1980s. Like, I can't remember. The, I think it was 1987. Um, and then Richard Rohr, who also learned it at a Jesuit retreat, um, he wrote a book shortly thereafter um, on the Enneagram for Christians, the Christian perspective. Um, but the thing I think people need to understand is that the Enneagram of personality can be directly traced back to George Gurdjieff, who was in the early 20th century, the first years of the 20th century. He was an occultist involved in spiritism um, of, of every imaginable type, um, <clears throat> contacting spirits and anything you can think of, he was involved in it in esoteric religions. He called himself an esoteric Christian. He is the origin of the symbol of the Enneagram. Now he incorporated a lot of ancient wisdom traditions going back to Pythagoras and, um, you know, all, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, mystical Islam, which is called Sufism. He incorporated a lot of those ideas, but he is the one who developed the symbol of the Enneagram. And he credited um, also uh, Pythagoras uh, for a lot, a lot of his ideas. And he designed the Enneagram according to numerological divination. And I just thought it would be interesting, you know, the Enneagram has nine points, nine personality types. Um, I just wanted to read on numerology.com. This is what the number nine means in numerology. The energy of the number nine represents completion, but not finality. Think of it more <clears throat> in a cyclical sense. It's about, <clears throat> it's about the ending of one cycle and the potential it creates for another cycle to begin. So that he designed that star of the Enneagram um, based on numerological divination. And the, I think people, especially I want Christians to understand the symbols of the Enneagram, it's made up of an equilateral triangle in the center of it that George Gurdjieff said represented what he called the occult law of three. The law of three represents a trinity of evolutionary forces that are both creating and sustaining the world. This is not the tree. I mean, he, he was a, um, he called himself an esoteric Christian, but he was not a Christian in any biblical sense of the word. And the, though he was applying the use of the word Trinity um, to the um, triangle, 
he didn't mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in any biblical context. And yet those terms would come in, but they're completely redefined in a very esoteric um, kind of mystery religion kind of way. And then the next symbol is a hexad, which is an unusual um, six-sided um, symbol that, it, it, well, for him, it represents the law of seven, which according to Gurdjieff represented <clears throat> the law of seven or the law of what he called octaves, which he was trying to evolve within man through the law of octaves in conjunction with the law of three. Um, a, an ascending octave in man that would lead man back to integration in the, uh, the ultimate one, the spirit. Um, in very similar to Hinduism, like with Brahman, an impersonal, unknowable, unintelligible one, the source. Um, and so that, that's what the, um, the hexad represents. And the, the outer symbol of the Enneagram is a circle that encloses the two inner circles. Um, and I want to show you the different symbols that make up the Enneagram because it's made up of a triangle and a hexad overlaid within the circumference of a circle. And this is really important to understand because um, it was designed according to numerological divination by George Gurdjieff. The law of three for him represented a trinity of evolutionary forces that were, in, in fact, um, they were, if you could envision the triangle rotating and spinning, um, they were in motion for him. Um, and so it represents these three evolutionary forces, both creating and sustaining the world. And then the law of seven represented by this unusual six-sided shape called a hexad represents um, the evolution of creating a, an octave, an ascending octave within man in his consciousness back to reunion in the source, in his cosmology, out of which um, the planets and everything spontaneously overflowed and um, emerged on their own. There's, there's no creator. Uh, Gurdjieff absolutely denied the creator-creation distinction. And then the circle, while Gurdjieff did not call it the law of one, it's really what it does represent. And so you have in the Enneagram the circle encompassing the... Um, um, the other, the, the triangle and the hexad. And in Gurdjieff's students' work, some of them portray the, um, the circle as the Ouroboros, which is a very ancient symbol, meaning all is one, all is divine. You can see this way back in Greek mythology and in Gnosticism, for instance, this Ouroboros symbol. So what, what the Enneagram symbol as George Gurdjieff uh, designed it. What it actually means is the serpent surrounding the world and man. Control. I mean, we're we're just go back to Genesis three. You will be like God, 
knowing good and evil for yourselves. It's, so I, it I need to stop you just for one second. So is this diagram you're displaying right now? And for those listening, I know you can't see it, but it's a, a snake over this geometric, uh, this Enneagram formation. Is this George Gurdjieff's or is this like, where did you get this from? What, what iteration um, of the, or, or is this ancient? Is this something from? Well, the, the, the Ouroboros, which is the serpent devouring its own tail. Okay. That is an ancient symbol that comes out of Gnosticism. And that symbol of the Ouroboros indicates all is one, all is divine. Right. That, that's yeah. what it means. And so he appropriated that for the Enneagram, though. That's all I'm trying to. Well, he didn't. I didn't find the symbol in Gurdjieff. He didn't. He didn't actually do a lot of writing. He did a lot of lectures. His students took notes, and it was his students that then wrote most of the books on him, um, and from from their notes on him. So I can't remember exactly which one of his students um, included this in one of their books which is where I got it. Oh, that's fine. Okay. So, so okay. I just, I, the, yeah, I guess what I was trying to uh, figure out is this particular image here. Cause I, I haven't seen that. If you Google like Enneagram, right. You don't see this, the, the Ouroboros, but, but this is part of the history then this, cause that's to me that screams, okay, there's a cult stuff going on here. Yeah, very definitely. And the reason I, um, show this image in my PowerPoint presentation is because I want people to understand that visually this is what's happening. And without going into detail on what Gurdjieff believed, um, well, let me, I should probably just give a little bit of that. Um, he established the Enneagram came to the West in 1922 when he established the Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man um, near Paris. And um, the Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man was symbolized by the Enneagram symbol, um, not with the personality types, but the symbol. And let's see, figure out how to go back here. I should. Um, he does have a nice mustache, I will say. Yes, that. he has a very nice mustache. <laughs> say something positive about him. Yes, yeah, yeah about poor George Gurdjieff. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, he divided the Enneagram into the instinctive center, the feeling center, and the thinking center in what's called fourth way teaching. He And, and these three centers um, represent um, Islam, uh, Christianity, and Hinduism. Islam is the instinctive center, Christianity is the feeling center, and the thinking center is Islam, or it's rather Hinduism. Um, and he believed that the Enneagram symbol and the work you do around and within the occult laws of the Enneagram <clears throat> represented what he called the fourth way, which was integration of these other three ways of, of um uh, Islam, Christianity, and Hinduism that would put you on a fast track to self-realization. Now, his version of self-realization, he believed that man was born in essence, which is divine, but by early childhood, you develop an outward personality, which is a false egoic self 
So the essence you're born in is your true self. The personality, which we understand it's just a normal personality of personhood, um, that was a false self that had to be gotten rid of. And so he designed the um, fourth way as a, an altered state of, a fast track into an altered state of consciousness beyond the thinking mind where I, I should back up and say he understood man to be mechanical and to be asleep to the reality of, of, um, of internal divinity, of essence. And so he wanted to, well, this is, I should probably share some of this. His idea was that man is mechanical. He's in a sleep state and he doesn't have a soul. If he dies in that state without a soul, he becomes food for the moon, which is a planet that is going to evolve into another earth and will be inhabited just like the earth. I mean, of course, it's utterly nonsensical. <laughs> we just took a, a yeah a big left turn there. Wow. So so this is this is crazy. This is more crazy than or or more, uh, yeah, just out there than I thought. It's not you're, yeah. you start out with like thinking this is personality types, and now we're talking about the moon is going to become another Earth, and it's going to eat you if you die without developing wow. a soul. Okay. And it feeds on the sentient material of dead human beings. And because it's ravenously hungry, it's growing and evolving. I mean, this and this was uh, articulated by his student, Uspensky, uh, P.D. Uspensky, in his book, um, In Search of the Miraculous. He, he goes into detail on being eaten by the moon or not. Um, and so but if you do the Gurdjieff work and you practice his fourth way, which was a very secretive cult in near Paris in his Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man, you, that if you practice his cultic techniques, you will start to develop a soul. It will then become crystallized. And then when you die, you won't be eaten by the moon. And Uspen I mean, it gets really bizarre because Uspensky said, not many people attain crystallization of a soul. And he said, that's really actually a good thing because if too many people became enlightened like that, they wouldn't want to be eaten by the moon and then the moon would starve to death and the whole cosmos would collapse. So <laughs> this is more, yeah, this sounds more Scientology now almost than, um, <laughs> than Myers-Briggs. So, um, this was this is before though the personality types. He we haven't even yeah. gotten to that. This is just yeah. occultic teaching, occultic symbols, occultic ideas, uh, and, and only for a select few to so, to reach enlightenment is what you're saying. It's or self realization, yes. I think, is the word you used. Yes, okay. he did not develop personality types. What he did, he did develop the idea that everybody has a chief feature that is negative it's the thing that keeps you in personality and obscures um your divine essence now none of this is logical i mean within his own system it's not it's not logical at all <clears throat> but the he taught in order to awaken 
remembrance of divine essence, your original essence, your true self, you had, and, and this is what applies now to the Enneagram of personality. This is his idea. You, you find your chief feature by a deep dive within the center of yourself to awaken self-remembering of divine essence through radical self-observation. So he is the one who said you've got to dive deeply within the core of your being and, and, and understand yourself, have self-remembering, self-observation, self-knowledge. Um, and yes, he did not develop the Enneagram types. They were developed, the initial development of those um, was done by Oscar Ichazo, another occultist who was a follower of the Gurdjieff work but claimed that he received the Enneagram by direct uh, revelation. I should put a picture of him up. <clears throat> this is Oscar Ichazo. Um, <clears throat> he believed that he was an ascended master who was in direct contact with the angelic realm, with spirits, we would call them demons, and he believed that he got the Enneagram by direct transmission from the spirit realm and, and that he was told by his archangel Metatron to put the seven deadly sins of Evagrius Ponticus, the early uh, father of Roman Catholicism, um, around the Enneagram plus two. I guess Evagrius actually had eight, um, <clears throat> but it was the seven deadly sins of the, of the Desert Fathers and uh, plus two. And he designed the Enneagram as a means, again, to transform consciousness from, um, I'm looking, I just want to read a quote from him, from personality yeah. to, um, <clears throat> to divine essence. Um, this is in the book, Interviews with uh, Oscar Ichazo. It was the interview was from 1973, done by Sam Keen, editor, uh, then editor of Psychology Today. And he says, This is Oscar Ichazo speaking. He says, We have to distinguish between man as he is in essence and as he is in ego or personality. In essence, every person is perfect, fearless and in loving unity with the entire cosmos. There is no conflict within the person between head, heart, and stomach, or between the person and others. Every human being starts in pure essence, then something happens. The ego begins to develop, karma accumulates. There is, this, <clears throat> there is a transition from objectivity to sub subjectivity man falls from essence into personality. So you can see right there, it's, it's, it's a Gnostic understanding of the fall. In Gnosticism, the fall isn't of man in a, sta a righteous state in fellowship with God into sin. The fall is from, <clears throat> is from spirit into matter. And for Ichazo, it was from essence into personality. So he used the Enneagram, he, well, and he called it the Enneagon. 
he developed 108 antiagons, but four only are uh, really used um, and, and, and pertinent to the Enneagram of, of um, personality. He designed the Enneagram of fixations based on the vices, the, the deadly sins, um, and, and then their counterpart, the Enneagram of holy ideas. And so once you recognize your um, fixation, <clears throat> then you can work your way up through his occult system of the Enneagram to attain the holy idea. And then he also did the Enneagram of, of vices and the Enneagram of virtues. So it's very much a system of uh, mystical, esoteric transformation um, really of his goal was trans uh, transforming humanity into divinity by means of this esoteric um, Enneagram system that he used. I, and I know this is, this is hard to grasp. It, I wrestled with understanding the Enneagram for years before I could grasp what this is, because this is hard hardcore what we now call or used to be called new age spirituality, which is now called the new, mm -hmm. the new spirituality. And then he had um, an occult school in Arica, Chile, and it was attended by uh, Claudio Naranjo, who is the developer of the personality types. So mm -hmm. Claudio Naranjo was also a student of the Gurdjieff work in a hardcore occultist, I mean, hardcore occultism. Um, <clears throat> thank you. Um, and Claudia Naranjo, he developed it, as you know, from a combination of his knowledge. He, he was a, um, a psychiatrist and he was uh, doing research uh, psychology in the, um, the uh, Santiago, Chile, uh, medical school <clears throat> there. He was a teacher on their, on, on their faculty and he was doing research there into um, psychology. He was also using, he incorporated into his um, work on personality and in, into his personal psychotherapy practice, he used um, LSD and he used ayahuasca which is used by South American shamans. And he used Ibogaine, which is used by West African um, medicine men, witch doctors. And both, both of those substances, ayahuasca and Ibogaine are known, they, the theory is they open the pineal gland in the brain to directly contact the spirit world. This is what he was doing. We, I just want to stop you there for one second. So, so this is, I I've heard this before, but not from, from him. Um, so I don't know if I how specific I want to get on this, but there's a, I'll just say there's supplements, but there, there's some supplements out there that you're supposed to, to take the, um, there's an organization or a company, I guess, that, that promotes these supplements. And, and anyway, I, I know some people who, who take these supplements, but one, one of the things that they're the founder of this company believed um, is that it opens it, the pineal gland. I've never heard this before. You're the only 
other person I've heard to talk about this. And, and that's also called the third eye. Right. In order to interact with uh, or I guess reach a self-realization or enlightened state or something to see reality as it really is. So is that a, across the board, a new age teaching or a mystical teaching? Absolutely. Or is that... it's, it's, oh, it is. It, okay. it, it is. It's deep out of occultism, actually. Yeah. This it, idea. It, why the pineal gland? That's well, you probably don't know, but I, I actually <laughs> don't know. <laughs> that's so weird to me, but um, there's got to be some reason for that. That's interesting. So, so well, he he was trying to awaken this using the Enneagram. Yes. And and he was very actively involved with shamanism, uh, very actively. In, involved with shamanism. So his goal, uh, well, I should, I'll fast forward. He ended up moving to the United States and he became uh, a teacher at the Esalon Institute, which is in Big Sur, California. Um, the reason I'm going to Esalen at this point is because Claudio Naranjo was a leader a pioneer in what's called transpersonal psychology. Transpersonal psychology is a synthesis of the science of psychology and um, occult spirituality, spiritism, direct contact with the spirit realm. That is what transpersonal psychology means. He was a pioneer in this field. Now, actually, if you go, let me just share one thing um, that he wrote about um, in the Gurdjieff work. Gurdjieff was actually synthesizing the psychology of man. Now, he was not a follower of psychology, but he was actually analyzing man in personality. And he was combining the occultism of mystical Christianity mystical Hinduism and mystical Islam in the, um, the um, Enneagram. So I, the more I have studied this, the more I actually see transpersonal psychology as the root of Gurdjieff. I see it going straight back to Gurdjieff and um, in some of his followers, uh, I, I am listening to some of his followers, I am more convinced of that than ever. So Claudio Naranjo, he goes to study with Oscar Ichazo in Arica, Chile. And he went out, uh, um, Ichazo had him go on a 40-day solitary meditation retreat in the Arica Desert. And he, during that time, he had an awakening of uh, a spiritual awakening that he refers to as a time when he was born again. And it was when he sensed the embryo of a spirit come into him and start to grow and take over. He experienced having his hands move in spontaneously in circles that he was not controlling. So he was demon possessed. <laughs> he was demon possessed. Right. Absolutely. And then he studied with um, Oscar Ichazo for uh, seven months out of a 10-month course. I mean, we're, we're, mystery schools are intense. They take over your life. And um, so anyways, he had a disagreement with he and, Ich and, and Oscar Ichazo. They did not get along well, and so he left early. And then he came back to Berkeley, California, where he started um, – 
uh, his SAT group called Seekers After Truth, which is taken directly from Gurdjieff, who called himself and others seekers of truth mm -hmm. in their esoteric quest for the masters of wisdom, the hidden knowledge of the ages. He was unlocking, trying to unlock the keys of all the knowledge of the universe. I, I should actually go back. This is actually very important. Gurdjieff believed that the Enneagram was the key that unlocks all the knowledge of the universe. Mm -hmm. And it for him, if you think of it, go to Genesis chapter 3. It, this is so clear in my mind that what he was doing this this occult key that unlocks the spirit of the you know the all the mysteries of the universe that's the knowledge of the fruit of the tree of good and evil the forbidden knowledge that's exactly what it is the serpent in genesis 3 he was following and um he believed that you didn't need education you didn't need philosophy or religion everything in that you needed to know could be interpreted and known through the Enneagram. That, that's, that was um, Gurdjieff's understanding of the Enneagram. I, I mean, and honestly, knowing that alone about the Enneagram, why would Christians dabble in occult symbols? I, I, I mean, it's mind boggling to me that people are so swept away by the Enneagram. Well, maybe so. One of the things I don't think most people know the history you're bringing out, but one of the things that I think most people who have been exposed to pop versions of this think is that it's just a personality test like Myers Briggs. And so, what if it had some occult attachments or origins? Right. Uh, we're not buying into any of that. I don't think the moon's going to eat me or anything. Um, yeah. So what do you say to people like that? Because I, I have the same the same thought. In fact, I, someone sent me even an email uh, from the other side of it saying we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because of, uh, you know, attachments to paganism and, and so forth. So what do you say to people who um, on both sides of that, who just any kind of the slightest bit of an attachment means it's bad. And then people who say no, um, that, you know, you you can use these tools just flesh that out for me a little bit yeah sure well let me just say as you know um claudio naranjo kept it in the um the context of an occult mystery religion it wasn't to go public it went public um claudio naranjo in his book healing civilizations and and i believe this pertains directly to this idea you know, the complaint, well, what about Christmas? And isn't the Enneagram, can't you just leave behind the occultism? And um, the reason I'm bringing this up is that Claudia Naranjo called the um, personality types, he called them Enneatypes. And he, um, he believed they were part of what he called, in, in, in this book, he writes of it, Healing Civilization, he called it part of a shamanic zeitgeist. He envisioned this shamanic zeitgeist as taking over Western education, removing the Judeo-Christian foundation from our education paradigm. He was anti-patriarchal. He wrote several books um, that were against patriarchy. And by that, he didn't mean macho men. He meant 
um, Western Judeo, he, he met um, Western Civilization's foundation in Judeo-Christianity. He wanted to get rid of that. Okay, so the reason I bring that up is because people then think, okay, you can separate out all of that. Okay, Naranjo thought that. We don't believe that. I want to jump ahead now. I, I actually would like to discuss um, how the New Age is very much alive and well in Christianity. I want to discuss um, the writers uh, of this book, More Than Your Number, um, mm -hmm. Beth and Jeff McCord. Um, because this really answers the question. Let me see here. Uh, here we go. This is the slide I wanted. These are Christians. Beth and Jeff McCord are believers. I have no doubt. But when Beth McCord became aware of the Enneagram, she, the only people that were teaching it are they were hardcore New Agers. And she took several courses. Let me just read you the list of courses that she took. Um, she took <clears throat> she took several um, certification courses. She took the six six month online cord uh, an online course, and this was from a website. They, she has since taken it down. Uh, the Enneagram for Healing Practitioners, which is what I'm picturing here, uh, with master Enneagram teachers, Helen Palmer, Russ Hudson, David Daniels, and Jessica Dibbs. And this was her way of describing it. The, um, and then she also took three courses with teacher Catherine Fovra on typing, try typing, and type number eight. And then she took... Um, well, she was actually certified in the Enneagram by a woman named Ginger Lapidbogda, um, who runs the Enneagram and Business Network. Um, <clears throat> so I just want to start with this, this course on the Enneagram for Healing Practitioners. This course is put on, I, 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 think of this, this is a six-month course course. This course is offered by the Shift Network. Let's see, I think I have a slide here. Uh, maybe it's behind. These are some of the other classes, courses offered by the Shift Network. Sacred Evidence-Based Mediumship. That's direct com um, contact with demons. Intentional dreaming with European B shamanism, shamanic lucid dreaming, exploring the cosmic mind through psychedelics, and from Gurdjieff, Ichazo, Naranjo, you can uh, say what they're doing is trying to awaken the cosmic mind. And they were um, not Gurdjieff, but Ichazo and Naranjo were using psychedelics. Heal yourself with the secret language of plant spirits. Energy Healing with the Divine Mothers of Darkness and Light, Visionary Activist Astrology, God, Sex, and Enlightenment, and then Spiritual Evolution through the Enneagram, 
which is one of 16 occult, occult courses that the shift network teaches on the Enneagram. So she took the course from Helen, from Russ Hudson on the left, Helen Palmer, David Daniels, um, and Jessica Dibb. Russ Hudson and Don Risso, who learned the Enneagram from Claudio Naranjo, and he wrote the first book on it, Breaking the Code of Silence and Secrecy, and made it public. He and Russ Hudson founded the Enneagram Institute based on, well, I should say, both Don Risso and Russ Hudson were followers of the Gurdjieff work. Mm-hmm. Russ Hudson is still alive. He's still a follower of the Gurdjieff work. He um, is on the faculty and staff well, and the faculty, rather, the teaching faculty of the Esalon Institute and the Shift Network. Helen Palmer learned the Enneagram, and she was a follower of the Gurdjieff work. She learned the Enneagram from Claudia Naranjo, who incorporates Gurdjieff into um, the Enneagram. She learned it from him, and she she's now retired, but she was on the faculty of both the Shift Network and the Esalen Institute. Dr. David Daniels was a um, psychiatrist on staff with Stanford's medical school where he taught psychology and he learned the Enneagram from Helen Palmer. And his he had a very um, uh, oneist worldview or in unity and union with the cosmos and there's no such thing as sin. Um, and Jessica, uh, rather, yeah, Jessica Dibb taught a course, another course on the Enneagram with Russ Hudson and Claudio Naranjo in 2017 called the Enneagram of Essence, Awakening Your Divine Inner Being. Now, the course name is the Enneagram of Essence. I'm describing it as the awakening of the core of your divine inner being. She, on, on the description of the course, she described it as getting in touch with the divine within you, which she called God. So, and, and that's your real self. So this is hardcore New Age spirituality. Okay, so Beth McCord took those courses. And um, then she also took a course from uh, Catherine Fovra, a student of the Gurdjieff work, and the important part with if you've noticed, all these people are students of the Gurdjieff work. So it really, George Gurdjieff hasn't gone anywhere. Okay, that and that's interesting because I thought, and I was saying Naranjo, I think it's Naranjo in, in Spanish, but I, I thought Claudio Naranjo was the, uh, since he came up with the personality types, it, he was more the inspiration, uh, not Gurdjieff. But what you're saying is that actually Gurdjieff uh, is still very much the inspiration for the Enneagram. Yeah. Gurdjieff is really lurking in the details. Um, and Catherine Fovra, she developed what's called the tri-types of the Enneagram, which is taking, you have one dominant t- type and then two subordinate types that one each is taken from Gurdjieff's three centers of head, heart, and, get, um, and gut. And what's very interesting and important to understand with Catherine Fovra is she says you cannot understand the Enneagram types unless you view them and understand them through the lens of Gurdjieff's 
occult laws of three and seven. This is her teaching. I, I mean, is it, and mm. she is a contemporary Enneagram teacher. So, and she's so, one of so, so we have a bunch of people running around right now who say that they are experts on the or not experts, but they they're very into the Enneagram. But they according to some of the, like people like Catherine Fover, she'd probably say like, no, you're, you're not really in the Enneagram world. Like she would say, you're not, um, you're doing the surface level thing, but you need to go deeper and, and get into Gurdjieff's work and to be able to actually utilize it correctly. Yes. And, and absolutely. I thought that was very revealing. I heard her in an interview, um, say that you can't really understand the types unless you view them and understand them fully through Gurdjieff. Okay. Uh, she, she says that. So, but the next person, uh, this is just so important to understand. Ginger Lapid Bogda um, is the head of the Enneagram and Business Network. And she is the one who certified Beth McCord in the Enneagram. She got her Enneagram certification from this woman. Um, <clears throat> this woman believes that the universe is, is, is the energy of the universe pulses through the course of everybody and everything and that God and the divine is within you. So you turn within to find God. Very interesting article that she wrote called um, Spirituality in the Workplace. Very, very revealing. She teaches the Enneagram for management and, you know, just, you know, how to align your, your, your staff and your systems and, you know, everybody, how to place personnel. <clears throat> she says when she goes into a business, she doesn't teach it as a spirituality because she, she believes in non-dual spirituality. She denies the creator-creation distinction. Mm -hmm. She's a, a hardcore new ager. <clears throat> but so she doesn't tell them she's teaching them religion because she knows she'd get pushback. People wouldn't want to do the Enneagram if they knew it was religion. And this is in her article. Um, so instead what she does is she teaches them the Enneagram, believing that doing the personality type structure of the Enneagram alone will um, convert them to a non-dualistic way of thinking. This is the non-binary, the, the, the denial of the creator-creation distinction. So I'm really, I'm actually not really meaning to pick on Beth McCord, um, but I think this is a very good illustration and I'd like to go through some issues in her book um, where frankly, reading the book, I was appalled. I'm going, okay, that's Gurdjieff, that's Gurdjieff, that's Gurdjieff. I'm sorry, I'm familiar enough with Gurdjieff to go, okay, how can you study with these people and then you're learning this system that you think is completely um, expunged of any occult ideology, but how can you study with hardcore New Agers who are into the occult um, and not be influenced by it? Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and that, that is my real concern with Christians doing the Enneagram. And the sad part for me is at first I kind of thought, okay, she must not understand what the new age movement is. And this must've gone whoosh, over her head. 
that's not the case. She recognized, she and her husband both recognized that it was a different worldview entirely. Mm-hmm. That and But they reasoned, well, the Enneagram of personality is so important that we've got to, you know, we're going to teach, we're going to put the gospel on it. So we're going to say it's the Christian Enneagram, it's the gospel Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, let me give you some examples from the book um, where the worldview, you, you just can't, you can't detach, you can't study a system with hardcore New Agers without retaining some of their influence. I, I, I don't know how you could. Personally, I could never have submitted to studying anything with any one of these wiz- women. It's like you with the... Um, supplements i think you were talking about right yeah yeah it's, and i i was like i can't take this if that's the intention but yeah and the argument is and, and that's why i brought it up earlier about uh how much is too much as far as being connected to these uh, occult practices uh the the arguments well uh you're not we're, we don't use it for that purpose so, you know we use it for other it's health related there's basically side effects or benefits that you can um, glean from these teachings, but we're not going to use it for the central uh, purpose that they've been created for. And, um, and and to me, I just I I, I think the same thing that you think uh, as far as that goes. That syncretism, I can't separate those two things. Um, now, and, and and I don't know. This podcast isn't. We're not here to talk about Christmas trees and th- and, and things. But I think th- th- there is a separation though between. Christianity coming into a pagan society and then um, and, and this is maybe there is a little bit of a gray area here but as far as um, taking symbols that were once used for pagan practices and then reappropriating those things for Christian purposes when they're things like like for example God owns trees are gods right um, it's uh, it's not something that the devil didn't come up with trees. <laughs> the devil didn't come up with things that are actually uh, gods um, in his creation. And and so it's not like those things in and of themselves are evil. But when you have something like the Enneagram, and this, I think I tried to make this point in my initial podcast on this, it is uh, fundamentally created. Its whole origin is something that's separate from from God. It's, it only exists in the minds of people who are trying to construct something to oppose God with. It's not like a Christmas tree. It's not like um, some of these other things that people try to say, well, that's pagan too, so why don't you... It, it, there, there's there's a difference there. Um, it, and if the Enneagram... It, I don't know, I'm going on a tangent here, but if the Enneagram was, let's say... The personality types is there's a scientific basis for this and that's where it was developed is through observation and looking at the world and this is part of god's creative order and then some satanists wanted to take advantage of that or something mm-hmm. and use that for their own purposes that's much different than 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 this which is no that that's this wasn't observation this wasn't science uh, real science this this was actual occult activity and coming up with uh ideas to directly challenge the creator and as you said the creator creation distinction so that that's where i that's how i see it at least i mean i don't know if you have you 
oh. would add to that or, or think of it differently. But No, I think you did a, a really great job illustrating the difference, whether the symbol had been developed, uh, the types had been developed by observation as a helpful tool, um, rather than by occultism. And, you know, then if, if Satanists Satanist used it, well, they're using it. But, but no, this came out of, honestly, out of the demonic realm of, of people mm -hmm. in direct opposition to God. If you can see that. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to see. Just to give an idea of what I'm looking at, it's a chart. Everybody has a wounded child or a beloved child. And what they do is the beloved child of Beth says she's an Enneagram type nine. So her beloved child of her type nine, she calls Coach Beth. Coach Beth teaches the Enneagram. That's where she feels beloved by God. Her wounded child of her nine type is little Bethy. This is a very wounded um, inner child. But then she also has, the Enneagram system is so complex. Besides your main type, you, everybody has two wings, and then you have two Enneagram paths. So it, it gets very convoluted and confusing. But just with these other parts that she calls parts, you, one is named, um, in, in, this is in the beloved child column, victorious or virtuous Victoria. And then she has the wounded child, Vicious Victoria, and then Remarkable Regina is beloved. <clears throat> Raging Regina is wounded. Noble Natalie is beloved. Not good enough Natalie is um, wounded. Wonderful Wendy is beloved. Worrying Wendy is um, wounded. Now, these they talk about in this book that everybody has parts. Well, before I give it a psychological analysis, um, one of the teachings of Gurdjieff is that you aren't just a unified self. You aren't just an I, the pronoun I. The I who wakes up and gets up in the morning is not the I that makes breakfast or goes shopping. So you have, and this is very confusing, I understand, but this is Gurdjieff. You have all these different parts that are different eyes. They're different yous. And in, you can just have dozens of them all over the place. And um, part of Gurdjieff's process is trying to, um, there's one book written by a student of his called Eating the Eye, is you trying to get rid of all this perception of, I put my hand on uh, the book uh, and I feel that sensation. Um, you know, I, I, I do all these other things. You want to integrate and transcend all those eyes. So, and then in another part of the book, which is directly applicable to this, they teach a system called um, AWARE where you're supposed to become aware. It's the acronym for Awaken, Welcome, Ask, Receive, Engage. Okay, the awaken, awaken to your thoughts, feelings, body sensations, and inclinations. Okay, that, that is Gurdjieff. Those are from the three centers 
of head, heart, and body. And it was illustrated um, by one of his, uh, one of Gurdjieff's students, William Patrick Patterson, who does podcasts, and he is still does the Gurdjieff work. He said that this intensity, for instance, of focusing on becoming aware of your body uh, uh, sensations would be like, he lives in New York, so you can relate to this. In the winter, he would go and put his hand on the doorknob, and when he was focusing, doubling down attention on it, he could feel, oh, that's really cold. He had never noticed it before. You go about your day, you don't just stop and go, every little thing, oh, it, that's cold, the snow is cold. That, I, you, don't, you don't do that. So this is an example of how you're becoming aware of your body. You're becoming aware of everything you touch, everything you feel inside, your sensory perceptions. And then the next step of, of uh, the McCords is welcome. Welcome these experiences without judgment. You suspend judgment. There right. is good and bad. And we have to even judge ourselves. You know, am I operating in the spirit or in the flesh? And I have to repent of sin. I don't suspend judgment. I want to operate in biblical judgment and discernment. I want to repent. I want to grow in faith in Christ. I want to reflect his image, um, and I want to live for his honor and glory. I want to worship him, not myself. Um, so anyways, and then they say, ask, 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 inquire of your internal parts what they're feeling. Well, that's a dead end. I mean, honestly, if I'm obsessed with how I'm feeling, my my emotions can take me down. I, I, and, and this is a book. This is marketed to Christians. Right? Yes, it's a so bestseller. This is, this is the uh, what was the name of it again? Um, <clears throat> more than your number. More than your number. Yeah. Okay. So th so this is one of the the popular ways this is getting into even churches that we would attend uh, with some of the members there, and and you're hitting on something that I had this thought. I don't know if I shared it, but the um, the obsession with self and then the obsession with personality types and getting as deep as you possibly can into what makes you tick supposedly um, has a tendency, I think, to make excuses for sinful behavior. Mm -hmm. And what what I found with the few eyeless people I listen to who are advocating Enneagram is they want they have to have like a, a clause. Uh, uh, they have to, to say at the beginning of their interviews or their speeches on the subject that, uh, you know, we affirm that mankind is sinful. And, mm -hmm. and it, so they, they want to kind of, I think, cross their eyes or cross their T's, dot their eyes to say we're orthodox. And then let's talk about the Enneagram, but you can't really hold the two together. The, one's going to eat up the other. One's going to, uh, one's going to be the focus. You can't, so how we, the question I guess I'd have is when you are looking deeply into yourself to say, why am I the way I am? Why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I do what I do? Um, how do you distinguish then between this is my personality or my Enneagram type and this is 
the sinful part of me. Um, they, I, I would suspect in that book, it, it's do they market it as a way to try to identify pot, potential sinful tendencies at all? Is that say, part of it? The subtitle is A Christ-Centered Enneagram Approach to Become Aware, the acronym I just went over, right. Right. of your internal world. So not really, <laughs> probably. Well, and they, I mean, to their credit in the book, they, they spend several pages where they're saying, you know, they're, they're sharing orthodox belief. They're, they're saying, mm -hmm. okay, we're orthodox. We believe this. We believe the right stuff. But let me just give an example of how distorted this can be in, in their understanding of the fall in the Garden of Eden. Eden, I'm quoting from them. This is what, this is a sentence they have in the book. Adam and Eve hid themselves to try to keep their misaligned patterns of relating from being seen by God, Genesis 3, 8. What? Okay. That's I just, mean, this, I'm not, making stuff up. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not actually trying to be critical of the McCords. I, they're believers. I have no doubt about that. But I'm just trying to point out, you can't, separate out ultimately right. sound doctrine i mean they well, hid because they were fallen and sinful right so they're 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 saying they're substituting something that's less than sin for sin they're saying it's right so i mean that softens the blow doesn't it i mean i feel a lot better about myself if that's what i'm doing and i i feel better if i can find a solution that's just you need to understand your personality better or something rather than you need to repent before a holy God who's going to judge you and condemn your soul for uh, the sin that you've committed. That that's, those are two different things. Um, so I, I think that's helpful. That's probably, that's the bottom line is that this is syncretistic to some extent. And even if you listen to teachers who are trying to bring this into Christianity and they, and you hear them say orthodox things, which we do in all the woke movement and a lot of other heretical movements, you, the devil's in the details. You're going to find areas. They might be even subtle where there's what you just example is what you just read, where there's a, um, they're introducing an idea to you to get you to soften on sin, to get you to, uh, to th actually to rearrange anthropology so you view humans yeah. as not what they are before god now i, I want to come full circle to um something you said at the beginning because i know you work for uh you do work for truth exchange and yes. you said that this is the, uh, the conflation or the um trying to to take the distinction between the creator and the creation and then kind of collapse these things onto themselves so you have one category so oneism instead of twoism yeah um Maybe in just a brief few sentences, how do you see the Enneagram functioning in this way to um, promote oneism? Okay, that's a really good question, and I actually really appreciate it. Um, the Enneagram is seen as a universal um, uh, personality type indicator that applies to everybody on the planet. Uh, according to the Enneagram, everyone is born with an immutable Enneagram type. You can't change it. You were born with it. You're going to die with it. And because of that, and, and here's where I'm getting to the oneist aspect. <clears throat> because of that, if you study the Enneagram, you're going to understand the personality types and the, the behavior um, 
that you're going to understand the core fears, the core motivations of every other person, the core desires of everybody on the planet as it becomes a kind of lingua franca, as you know, a universal language for relating to everybody in every, you know, in every culture. And in fact, Richard Rohr, the Franciscan priest who wrote um, one of the early books on the Enneagram, uh, he, he's the one who calls it uh, in his book, um, The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective. He calls it the lingua franca, and he says it has the ability to transcend cultural boundaries um, and to unify religions, philosophies, and psychologies around the world. So it, it's breaking down distinctions. It's unifying everybody and everything. It's, it's utopian in that sense. And I'll take this right back to Gurdjieff. Gurdjieff had a utopian desire that people should awaken to divine essence or the world was going to be destroyed. Um, and so here's um, uh, um, Richard Rohr saying, I believe he says this in the foreword to his book on the Enneagram, that, that it's a tool to unify and integrate all religions and all um, philosophies and all psychologies. So right there, one of the goals of the oneism that you mentioned that Dr. Peter Jones speaks about uh, in his ministry um, is the idea that you can unify the religions of the world on the ground of shared mystical experience. So you can unify all the personalities of the world and create global harmony by if everybody in the world would only study the Enneagram, then there would be peace on earth. This, this is a completely humanistic, oneist ideology. And, um, and, and that's kind of to answer your question that way. And, um, and it ultimately, if you think of it, you're trying to unify Christianity with Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, and remove the cultural distinctions, the religious distinctions, the philosophical distinctions. You're trying to create a unity, a oneist global mindset of a cosmic mind um, uh, to unite people. So that's kind of um, my answer to that question. I hope that makes sense. No, and fascinating. It, it, and it makes sense of why so many cling to it so tightly, because there are Christians who just, um, they live by this and they think it's so important. In fact, there's a conference coming up on the Enneagram and the gospel with how, how, how those things merge. But, um, if it was just some kind of helpful tool out there that a Christian could use, but didn't have to use, you, you wouldn't see conferences like this. I don't think you wouldn't see the attempt to merge this into spiritual categories. It would just, there wouldn't be blogs and websites and books. It would just say, well, that that's a tool just like, you know, uh, physiological and you know, medical procedures are helpful mm -hmm. for Christians. Like that might be helpful or, or just like, it's okay to enjoy art or music, you know, but you wouldn't have Christians making this part of their identity, uh, becoming right. Enneagram coaches and 
because what are they that's not discipleship when you're an enneagram coach you're but you do have a goal and so what's the goal and and so what you're saying makes sense that they think that and i've gotten that flavor that there's a uh, on the other side of understanding these things you do wake up to uh, the world around you and how people interact and who they are and it's going to make more peace and more harmony in mm -hmm. your life and if everyone got on board we'd all understand ourselves and each other better and and that way it, it would it would bring this about um and, and it would just be a much better use uh, just as pragmatically speaking of people's time who are christians and believe the bible to uh, just says about those things what makes for peace reconciliation with god uh, and then the one another's that would be a whole yes. lot better but we're looking for things in other places we don't think the bible's sufficient i guess yeah it's, um, it really is it's it's what is the final authority is it the enneagram or is it the bible and also i just want to point out that christians are pointed to suffering life we're going to suffer if we stand for christ we're going to suffer i mean everybody suffers we're in a fallen world so you you and you know children can rebel they can you know go astray you can have relational difficulties with other people even other believers you know we've all experienced the difficulties of life we're appointed to suffer for christ for the sake of christ we're to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him and we're to live for the glory and the honor and the worship and the praise of christ and then also i just i just wanted to well i just wanted to um romans 8 um 29 and 30 says for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son this is the image we're being conformed to not the image of the enneagram not the image of ourselves even because we need to be conformed as believers to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified this so paul writes there's an eternal weight of glory that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with. Uh, you know, and we're looking to the eternal. Though our outward man is decaying daily, our inward man is being renewed in Christ. And we're looking to that eternal weight of glory. You know, Hebrews 12, verse 2, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross on our behalf because we're sinners, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're to look to him. And then it, the, the next verses go on. Um, we're to persevere in him because we have not yet endured to the shedding of blood in our striving against sin. And that just made me honestly think it says, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart because you have not yet um, <clears throat> resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. There is suffering. You know, how is the Enneagram going to help brothers and sisters in Christ 
in Africa, Indonesia, other parts of the world who are being imprisoned, who are being tortured for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what on earth good is the Enneagram going to do for them? Yeah, it's a very first world. Uh, it, it's, it exists in suburbs. <laughs> it's exactly. In urban environments where people have it pretty easy. Well, uh, with that, I think we need to probably land the plane. But I, Pam, I really appreciate you sharing some of your knowledge on the history and the background of the Enneagram. I didn't know much of what you shared. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the moon eating people. But uh, <laughs> no, it, it's fascinating and it's it's helpful, I think. Uh, it, it gives people a greater context and understanding what this is. So um, God bless. If people want to uh, reach out to Pam, they can contact office at truthexchange.com. That's the email address, office at truthexchange.com, or you can go to truthexchange.com to find out more about Pam's uh, writings on this subject of the Enneagram and, and other things. So um, thank you, Pam. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. May I just close with one thought? The truth as a counter to all of this, Truth Exchange, the, the title of our symposium this year is The Hope of Ultimate Meaning, Knowing mm -hmm. God, the Creator and Redeemer. That's our awesome. hope. That's great. That's great, Pam. Well, um, I look forward to it. I hope uh, people listening can attend that. I'm assuming it's online where they can, yes. can watch videos and so forth. Uh, so uh, God bless. Yeah. All, all success to Truth Exchange. Yeah. Bye now. Bye.